Hi, this is Warren Landis, and I want to welcome you to another exciting broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. Um, I am so thankful for the fact that uh, we could get together every day and we can get into the Word of God and study it. And it's a great thing because now, you know, more people than ever before, you know what? They have plenty of time on their hands. They have enough time on their hands to do pretty much anything they want to do. Amen. And uh, that's an exciting thing. And uh, so why not use some of that time in order to get into the Word of God? And I I just thank the Lord for the Internet, which allows the work of the church to continue on in this time of social isolation. (laughs) Amen. I was telling someone the other day, that it's a good thing that this uh, coronavirus waited until now to show its ugly face, because, you know, if this had happened 20 years ago, it would have been a far worse situation. In that, 20 years ago, churches did not have the technology to make their services available online. 20 years ago, churches did not have the ability to use the Internet as a means of getting out the gospel of uh, Jesus Christ. But today, we have that capability. And I know that we have many people that are listening to this broadcast right now, and they have the ability to listen to this broadcast even though they can't go to their own church. And I think one thing that this coronavirus is accomplishing It's causing many people to have a desire to listen to the Word of God. And I imagine when the day comes when we can resume worshiping the Lord in our churches the way we used to, I imagine when that day comes, we're all going to be so excited and we're all going to be so eager to be able to worship the Lord again in our churches. It just might cause a revival, ladies and gentlemen. And I certainly hope that is the case. Now, I want you to know that today I'm going to be speaking on the topic, some things God wants you to know. Some things God wants you to know. And I'm actually going to be quoting several verses of Scripture in the course of this message. And we're going to start off with Romans 3.23. And in Romans 3.23, we read where the wages of sin is death. Or or, or let me, (laughs) I got my verses mixed up. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you see, that's the very first thing right there that God wants you to know. God wants you to know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, That means even when you and I are at our best, even when we're putting our best foot forward, we have to admit that we are a sinner. We have sinned. And, and you know, a lot of times we don't really find it easy to agree with that. You know, we might see this mass murderer being arrested on television, and we watch him being led away in handcuffs into his jail cell, 
And we say to ourselves, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not that sinful. I'm not that wicked. But the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know many people would say, well, you know, I I haven't broken the Ten Commandments in a long time. I say to that, really? (laughs) Is that really what you feel? Uh, Look at the sermon that Jesus preached on the Mount. One of the things that Jesus did with the Sermon on the Mount, he taught about what the Ten Commandments really meant. He said, for example, you've heard of men of old saying it was wrong to commit adultery. But he says, I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And therefore, you're just as guilty as if you had physically committed adultery with that woman. And so when you look at it like that, then you realize, hey, I may not pass the Ten Commandments test. You might say, well, I know good and well that I've never killed anyone. But the Bible says, hey, have you hated anyone? Well, if you've hated anyone, as far as God's concerned, it's it's really like killing them. Because if you hate someone enough, you're going to look for an opportunity probably to kill that person. You know, we men, especially, we have to be very careful. I I don't know what it is, but sometimes we men have to struggle to keep our minds as pure as they need to be. But Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, he taught that what we think in our mind is just as important as what we actually do with our hands. And so that's part of the reason why the Bible tells us here that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, it might be true. Maybe you haven't done some of the same sins that somebody else has committed, but nonetheless, you have committed sins. Now, some people would say, well, big deal, so what? What does it matter that I'm a sinner? Well, this is where the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. That's the verse I was trying to come up with a while ago. The wages of sin is death. You see, that's why it matters whether or not you and I sin. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Now, ultimately, that means that If a person dies and they haven't ever been saved, they're going to spend eternity in this terrible, awful place that the Bible calls hell. Now, of course, sin also has a lot of horrible consequences, even in this life. We create a lot of problems for ourselves when we commit sin. Uh, For years now, I've had a lot of heart problems. And I have to admit that some of my heart problems are self-inflicted. Self-inflicted by bad dietary choices that I've chosen for myself. As far back as I can remember, I've loved juicy, thick cheeseburgers and hamburgers and chili burgers and hot dogs and everything else in between. Fried eggs. In fact, I not only like fried eggs... I like eggs sunny side up. I like my eggs looking at me. Some people don't like that. I do. (laughs) Amen. But I I, I happen to agree that I have 
had over the years some very bad eating habits. I'm trying my best to correct some of those bad eating habits now, but it's not easy. I struggle with it. Uh, you know, if you were to open up a beer joint across the street from my house, it wouldn't be a temptation for me at all. I wouldn't be the least bit tempted. tempted. But man, I tell you, you put a fast food joint across the street from my house, and I'm going to have all kinds of temptation. Especially if they have juicy, thick cheeseburgers. Especially if they have thick chocolate shakes with Oreo cookies inside. You can't imagine what kind of temptation that creates for me. It's incredible temptation. And yet I know when I yield to that temptation, I'm creating problems for myself. I create a situation where I become a lot more likely to have a heart attack or stroke. And, and I would say based on the way my health is and how unsuccessful I've been at altering my eating habits for the most part, that's probably how I will go to heaven. When I start meeting some of my friends and loved ones in heaven, and they ask, how did you get up here? I said, I went to a fast food joint, and it sent me right up here. Amen. Amen. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But, 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 the free gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is a free gift from God. In other words, God offers you and me salvation as a free gift. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. But God gives it to us anyway. Think about it this way. If you had to pay salvation, or if you had to come up with a certain amount of money, to get salvation, it wouldn't be a gift, would it? It would be a purchase. It would be an acquisition. But instead, God tells us that what he offers us is free salvation. Like I say, it's free just for the asking. Now, I don't know about y'all, that's my price range. If somebody wants to offer me something for free, Guess what? They have my attention. <laughs> That's a price I can afford. Amen? The free gift of God is eternal life. Then we come to John 3.16. Now John 3.16 is a very interesting verse of scripture. Because in John 3.16 we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him, that is Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. Then in John 3.17, we read, For God sent his Son in the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world through him might be saved. So we find 
that all we have to do to get eternal life is to believe. It's as simple as that. We have to believe. Now, this, this word believe involves more than just head belief. You know, for example, let's say I go to the airport. And I see this big, huge jet on the taxiway. And it's coming for a stop at my airport. Now look at that big jet. Now I can believe in my heart that that jet can fly. That that jet can take me anywhere I want to go. But you know what, folks? If I'm not willing to get on that airplane and buy my ticket, I'm not going anywhere. It doesn't matter how much head belief I have about that plane. It doesn't matter whether I believe that plane can get me to where I want to go. What matters is me buying a ticket so I can get on that plane. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's where I become aware of the fact that I have the ability to go somewhere on that plane. I actually have to make a commitment to that plane. I have to buy a ticket. If I were to come to your church and preach a revival at your church, guess what? It would be necessary for me to take a look at the chair on the platform, and then I have a decision to make. Is that chair going to hold me up? Now, you know, that's not such a foolish question. Because I hate to say it, I'm a pretty big fella. Last time I weighed myself, I weighed 263 pounds. Think about that, 263 pounds. I've never weighed so much in my life. And so it's not an automatic conclusion that if I sit in a chair, it's going to hold, hold me up. It's got to be able to hold me up to the tune of 263 pounds. I remember one time I was preaching in this one church, and I had them bring a wooden chair to the platform, and I said, now, I'm looking at this wooden chair, and I'm wondering if it's going to hold me up. And I said, you know, it doesn't matter how much I think that chair is going to hold me up. Before I can benefit from that chair, I have to make a commitment to that chair. I have to be willing to sit down in that chair. And on this one occasion, I sat down in the chair and it broke into a hundred pieces. My bottom was sore for a week. Amen. And nowadays, I don't usually use that illustration unless I'm sure of the outcome. I want to be sure in advance that chair is going to hold me up. But you see the point. You have to have more than just a head belief that that chair will hold you up. You have to make a commitment to that chair. That's what it means to believe. And then we come to Romans 10.13. Romans 10.13. And we read in Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I used to listen to a song on the radio. It's called, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. The Bible says, if I call upon the name of the Lord, I shall be saved. Now, I know in another place, Jesus said, 
You know, not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus has the ability to detect whether or not we actually mean that. If, if we call on the name of the Lord and we truly believe in Jesus, we're truly making a commitment to Jesus, then the Bible says we shall be saved. Now, one way to look at that is the way a person looks at a legally drawn up contract. Now, it used to be back in the old days, people would close a deal by simply shaking hands. You don't find that being done too much anymore. Nowadays, in order for a business deal to transact, there's got to be several lawyers involved. There's got to be a contract. There's got to be a written agreement. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Now, if you look at this as a legal contract, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if I want this free gift of salvation that the Bible is talking about, then I have to be willing to call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to do just that. You might say God offers us a salvation that is free for the asking. I'm told the other day that in this country, and I'm sure this is true in other countries as well, there are a lot of government programs that can give you all kinds of things, but these programs are not automatic. You don't get what these programs have to offer unless you specifically ask for it and request it. And if you ask for it and request it, guess what? You will get it. You will get it. And so the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now another thing that God wants you to know is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe this is found in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, you know, it sounds very dogmatic in our day. And um, it doesn't sound very loving in some ways. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And this is not what the world believes. The world believes there are many ways to heaven. The world believes there are many roads that lead to God. And Jesus says, ah, that's not true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, and I mean no man, comes to the Father but by me. Now that sounds very dogmatic. That sounds like very narrow thinking, some people would say. But in this case, it's true. The only way you and I can come to Jesus, the only way you and I can have eternal life, the only way that we can go to heaven is through Jesus. Any other way won't work. You have to turn your life and your living over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a decision that only you can make. Nobody can make that decision for you. As much as I love you and care about you, I can't make that decision for you. Only you can make that decision. 
Now you might be telling me, but Warren, you don't understand. My mother was a Christian. My father was a Christian. My grandmother was a Christian. My grandfather was a Christian. My aunt and uncle, they were Christians. That doesn't make any difference. You have to make that decision for yourself. Just because you're born in a garage, that doesn't make you a car. Amen. The only way you can come to Jesus is to make that decision for yourself. You get to decide. And what time better than this time of coronavirus to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'll pray this prayer or a prayer similar to it, I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word, God is going to save you and God is going to give you eternal life. You know, I think so many times as preachers, we're guilty of telling people, you got to be saved, you got to be born again, and we don't tell them how. Well, if you'll pray this prayer with me, and like I say, it doesn't have to be this prayer word for word. It can be a prayer similar to this. You just simply say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord, I admit even at my best, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. But God, right now, I ask you to come into my heart. God, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. And Lord, now I thank you for saving me. And I pray, Lord, now that I'm saved, number one, you will help me to live like I'm saved. And number two, Lord, I pray that you will help me to tell others about Jesus and that you will fill me with that desire to learn more about your word, the Bible. Now, let me tell you, if you prayed that prayer just now or a prayer similar to it, God has saved you. God has given you eternal life. And I would love to hear about it. You can email me today, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And I would love to send you some material that's going to help you grow as a Christian. I would love to send you some material that's going to help you get started learning more about the Word of God. And I will help you find a church where you can get plugged in and learn more about God's Word and get opportunities to serve the Lord in some capacity. You'll find that you not only need the church, but the church needs you. And I can connect you with all of this if you'll just email me today, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. It's one word, it's all lowercase, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And I would be so pleased, so happy to send you that information. Now, in the event that you want to send me a snail mail, and, you know, I still know people that they don't do email. They, they like to do snail mail. Well, if that's you, here's my snail mail address. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment 8, Greenville, South Carolina, zip code 29609. That's all the mailing address you need, and I'll get it. And I would be so happy to hear from you. And like I say, I want to be a minister to you. I want to help you grow in the Lord. 
But I can only do that if you contact me and let me know how I can do that. If you would like me to come to your church and preach, I would love to do that. Now, I suppose uh, it might be a few months before we can do that on a big scale. But now would not be a bad time to start scheduling something like that for either maybe the end of this year or the first of next year. I would love to come to your church. I'll be glad to send you by mail or email the information on how that can happen. Well, in the meantime, I want to say that I've enjoyed spending uh, this time with you this morning. Like I say, I thank God for internet technology. It gives us the ability as a church to reach out to a lost and dying world. And you know, one of the advantages that your church has, if you learn how to use the internet, it gives you a worldwide audience. It's not just people in your local community. It's not just people in your congregation. You get an opportunity to witness and minister to people all over the world. And uh, we've actually gotten correspondence from people in places like Norway and India and Kenya over in Africa and the Philippines, Russia, and some of the other countries around the world. I thank God for that. And, you know, we can be thankful, like I say, that the coronavirus decided to hit us now instead of 20 years ago. 20 years ago, we didn't have all this technology. 20 years ago, the churches didn't have the ability to make their services available online. Today, we have that capability. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I want to say this is Warren Landis. I've enjoyed uh, being with you this visit. And I hope that you'll join me next time when again, I'll be your host and Bible teacher on Sunshine USA.